You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley in, gets by Hunt, going deep. Oh, and he's got him! Shepard inside the 20. Shepard just broke the tackle of Mitchell and takes it down to the four-yard line. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, that might have been your fastest intro ever. I mean, that was quite a 40 time you just put up there by saying that, so good job. Yeah, not bad. I'm actually trying to beat out this thunderstorm that is rolling through my area right now. Like, very, very shaky ground here. So if you hear a co uh, a special guest and it's thunder in the background. Yeah, or or if there seems to be an obvious edit where we sound different afterwards, it's because I lost power somewhere in between. <laughs> it, it's our homage to Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw, the old thunder and lightning. Oh, there you go. Uh, that's, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Uh, as as we uh, hit these summer storm months, uh, the, there's not going to be too much to say in terms of news, but we will definitely cover anything that does come up. Uh, right now, we're at the very beginning of the second group of OTAs, so they are covering today, May 28th, uh, tomorrow, May 29th, when you guys are going to be listening to this, and then Friday, May 31st. Um, there's not a whole lot to unpack from these OTAs, especially this early on. So try not to blow a gasket over nothing. There's only one thing that you should blow a gasket over in these OTAs if somebody gets hurt. Oh, and 100%. If nobody, yeah. And if, and if nobody gets hurt, you know, if you hear somebody looks interesting or looks pretty good, take it with a bit of grain of salt from who's saying it. If you're hearing a coach – or if you hear Gettleman or you hear another player say somebody's playing well, it's just enthusiasm for their team. If you see like, you know, more than one beat writer who's attending saying, oh, that, you know, he looked good, he looked good, he looked good, just kind of put it in the back of your mind. It doesn't mean anything, but it's, it's something to be, you know, happy about. But if you hear that somebody dropped a pass, Somebody blew a coverage. Eli missed a guy wide open. Daniel Jones can't get his timing down. Please relax and please get a hobby during this offseason because it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. I mean, for now, I mean, you just want to hear some things like well, here, here's something to look for. The guy you've never heard of. If you keep hearing beat writers call out his name, that's a guy to keep an eye on as things move towards the summer. I mean, every year there's one guy who, whether he makes the team or not, definitely makes some strides or ends up on the practice squad and can become something next year or something like that. Keep an eye on those guys. Those guys that pick up steam that you've never heard of before, nobody's nobody's got any impetus to bump up his, his stock. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it's since you're not in full pads now and you're not in full heavy practice mode, the things they're looking for is just things like basic skill sets, burst, you know, quickness off the line, things like that. Um, so these guys who are watching it are not just your average fan showing up in mid-August to watch a practice who just wants to see 
you know, 60 yard bombs. They're looking at very specific things and they know when they see something of interest to report on it. I mean, it's their credibility on the line as well when they're saying stuff. So um, just kind of, you know, as these practices are happening, scroll through Twitter, you know, take everything you see kind of with a grain of salt. When you see recurring themes and trends, put it away in the back of your mind until uh, August. 100%. Um, and again, no news is good news, as evidenced by JPP again this year. Ugh. Well, anybody who co- follows a college team knows that silly season starts from around February to July, where the only thing you hear are kids getting busted for weed or this kid transferring or this or that. So when you hear about players in the news this time of year, it's usually bad. 100%. So instead of covering every little tidbit of whisper of a dropped pass or, you know, a silly mistake or, you know, a 95-yard touchdown or interception or something like that, we are going to do our, you know, annual way too early to make predictions about the season predictions about the season. (laughs) Uh, If anybody remembers last year, you know, we weren't even close in our predictions. <laughs> I think I had us somewhere around nine and seven or ten and six almost. I just got very optimistic about some things, and that went horribly wrong. So, you know, file away what we say now and come back in November and make fun of us all you want. You know what's funny is I don't think our overall results were too far off. I think I think we were around nine, seven, eight, and eight. And there were a lot of games last year that were very close to to pushing us in that direction. Where we were wrong was not just like which games, but you know the just the overall vibe that that season had. This that was not a winning season last year, even if they wound up eight and eight, nine and seven. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, trading guys mid season, you know, is never a sign of a team that's on the right path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's it's again, it is way too early. There was no way of predicting how the season was going to go based on what we yeah. knew. Yeah. And what we're doing right now is we're taking a snapshot of the league in late May. Yeah. A snapshot of what we think the roster might be and how we think who's going to be starting and all those type of things. And just, uh, you know, and quite frankly, it's late May and we have nothing much to talk about. So let's have a little fun. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite things here. We're starting week one in Dallas, which appeases people, I guess. But I like that it's the 4.30 game. I'm sick of the damn night crew. I I, I mean, I think there needs to be a uh, a change there, whether it actually be the entire network or, you know, the commentators well, or whatever. But I just like that it's the 4.30 game. It's still in the heat of that first week one. It's not, you know mentally exhausted end of the night Sunday night well let's uh you know we're all friends here on the podcast let's let's be pretty blunt we're not gonna be very good this year and the last the last thing I need is a national audience which when the Cowboys play has better than usual rating ratings and the narrative for what this team is set in week one and you know how Collinsworth and Michaels love to hammer the same things over and over and over again. And when you do that in week one, you know, if our right tackle has a terrible game like last year or something, 
that's everybody's going to talk about, you know, for the next, you know, definitely for the next seven days, but that's a narrative that follows this team. So until this team is ready to prove they belong in prime time, I have no problem with this game being buried as the 430 game. You know, they'll, it might be the game of the week on Fox and what they call their Sunday afternoon, like America's game or some some nonsense, but it doesn't nearly have the uh, the eyeballs on it like it would on Sunday night. No, and and quite frankly, it's not the only game on, and there's still time for a. You know, if you're if you're watching at home, there's still time if the Sunday night game is good for you to you know maybe take a snooze or. <laughs> Uh, you know, make some food and get yourself ready for the night game if you don't feel like watching. If you're a giant, if you're listening to this podcast and you're taking a snooze and making food I, I, during I, that I game, I meant the national audience. Go, just hang up right now and yeah. go uh, follow the Just Jets podcast or something. Yeah. But I know I, I, I get your point though. You know the uh, the national crowd who's not necessarily giant fans or NFC East fans or you know NFC fans. Yeah. Um. So when I look at this game, uh. Which I will be in attendance for, by the way. It's my my first time going to Dallas, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Arlington. Um, I see a loss, and I'm going to put that in pen. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that it has to be that way, but I I just I'm going to be realistic. It's going to be early in the season with way too many new important pieces on offense, way too many, and. Without the otherworldly talent of Beckham, who's comfortable in the system and comfortable with Eli Manning to make up for offensive sloppiness, it's going to be too much to overcome. Dallas's defensive strength lies in the the flexibility, speed, and athleticism of their linebacking crew and their uh, defensive line manhandling at the point of attack. That's going to minimize a lot of what Barkley can do. Not everything, obviously, as, as we know... Uh, he is capable of pulling anything out of his ass for one or two plays, but without a true deep th- threat to loosen up Dallas's defense, it just it, it it won't happen offensively, especially as the crowd starts to get into it on week one. Yeah, I look at it as similar situation to what happened in the first couple of games last year, where you are going to see potentially three new starters in the offensive line. And it's going to take time for that offensive line to gel, sort of like what happened last year. Now, we have a pretty significant upgrade in talent on those three guys than we did last year. Sure. So maybe that, doesn't, maybe that doesn't take quite as long to gel as it did last year. But, you know, the way people are allowed to practice now in, in fall, it's not like heavy hitting like it used to be or anything. You're going to, it's going to take some time of adjustment. And I don't think that this offensive line will be seven blocks of granite by week one. No, but I, I do feel a little bit more confident about the way the defense will look um, matched up against Dallas's offense. Uh, I still don't think that they have too much there that, that truly scares me. But with an offense that's going three and out as often as I expect them to go, um, D- Dallas's defense is going to hold on just fine, especially up front, and uh, they're going to wear down the lack of depth that the Giants have in the offensive line. And, and uh, y- you know, I-, I just don't, I don't expect, uh, especially for the home crowd to kick in and start really pushing for Dallas. I-, I I see this one as a loss. I just do. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I don't think. 
I don't, it will be embarrassing like we were last year when we played there, but I, I don't see us coming out of the gate and winning a game there, no. I, I don't see it to be as embarrassing as it was last year, but I do expect uh, the media to take it as, you know, run that narrative of uh, another year of losing right off the bat. Well, yeah, and I don't want to hear, I mean, unless Eli has like a dreadful 11 for 30 for 89 yard performance, you know, I don't want to start hearing the, uh, you know, get rid of Eli coming from the media like his time is done thing. Because again, you know, the sample size of one game is not nearly enough to make these bold predictions, but you know you'll see it on the back page of the post. You'll see it in these horrible columns that are written and everything. And Frances will be all over it. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you, the best case scenario is they're competitive. They have a chance to win just to get people off this team's case for the beginning. Yeah. So um, am I putting down here in our archives for later that uh, Cranky Fan predicts a loss in pen or pencil? Pen. All right. Uh, week two, the Giants come home and play Buffalo at one o'clock. That would be this is this is my favorite kind of game. If only this were in like December or something like that. A one o'clock game against a, a team that we almost never play it just seems like so much fun, especially at home. Um, and believe it or not, I'm going to put this one as a win in pencil. Um, I think that some fundamental improvements that are exposed in week one are are easy cleanup things in the film room. You know, I, I think that combo of three new starters, as you said, on the right-hand side, they, they iron out some of the big glaring problems they had week one, and it helps out a bunch. Uh, it keeps the game tight. The Giants' skill positions on the printer, perimeter are able to take advantage of some of the lack of experience in the secondary for Buffalo and bail out an O-line that's still kind of figuring itself out. Um, against a pretty talented front seven, actually. But Barkley, you know, he's still going to look for his big game where we we are uh, reinvigorated. Yeah, 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 that we're accustomed to, that we're, that we're waiting and expecting to see from him. Um, he'll do just enough, I think, in this game to put points on the board, but I don't think he's going to have outside of his, you know, 25 yards out of a – out of nothing – you know, I, I think that he might score a touchdown or, or make two or three wow plays, but nothing where he takes control of the game. That's how I see this game shaping up offensively. This game to me is more about fan psyche than it actually means what happens on the field. This is a game on paper when you have a team like Buffalo coming in, you should win. And this is where you could potentially lose the fan base for the season for a game like this. If they lose an ugly game to a, a pretty bad Buffalo team, I think it gets ugly really quickly. And I've been thinking about this one, Grump. I got a feeling they're going to lose this one in pencil. Okay. I, I, you know, I think there's still a lot of things that have to be sorted out with this team. It's going to take time. And I just got this bad feeling that it's going to be dark before we start seeing real signs of progress in the 2019 Giants. Forget the rebuild and forget you know, long-term. I'm talking about in the very beginning of this season. And I can see this being an ugly, sloppy game that 
a losers lose type of game. And I have a feeling we lose this game and it's not going to be a pretty week after Buffalo. Well, here's, here's where I think I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, this is definitely the type, the type of game that uh, a fan base that's accustomed to winning. Not, not the, I mean, traditionally over, over the last 20 so years is being a competitive, good team is not really, ready to take on the rigors of another losing season will get lost if if they lose this one at home against a, a team that traditionally is not very good. But here's where I think they're they're able to make it up. I think this defense, young though it may be, has a lot of talent on it. A lot of like young, cheap talent. And I think that a really young Buffalo offense that is not as talented will struggle, especially in the air. Um without Without some big talent on the outside, you know, I think that Janoris Jenkins will be able to handle Zay Jones, and uh, the strong defensive line can prevent any big disasters. And without that big play advantage, the Bills won't be able to come back. I, I think a late push is going to happen. I don't, I don't, I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a sloppy piece of shit game, and I think that there's going to be a late push to score and get ahead. And the Bills will have an opportunity to come back, but they won't be able to do it because they're inexperienced at quarterback. They're not all that talented at quarterback. And they don't have a, a, a an experienced or talented strong supporting cast to help him you know, take advantage. I think this is one of those games where, and I don't want to start any comparisons, but it just in a microcosm, a game like in 2007 Week 2 where the Giants – or sorry, Week 3 – the Giants had lost the first two, given up something like 60 points in the first two weeks, and it all came down to very end a goal line stand kind of thing. Something like that where the, the, the season starts off really shitty and somewhere along the line they have to show that they can win a game. And late in this game, I think they show they can win. Now, do I think it's going to be a 2007 season? Not at all. Just It's just going to be in a microcosm something like that situation. I don't think this is a game where necessarily Buffalo on paper beats them. I think this is one of those games where the Giants beat themselves. I think it's one of those, you know, four turnovers, penalties at the wrong time type of thing. I, I just, I just see this team taking a while to get it together. I, I and again, I don't think it's going to be an embarrassing fashion last year where, you know. The offensive line is a sieve, and, and, and guys are running clear to the quarterback, and Eli's running for his life. But just one of those games where it just looks like this team isn't quite prepared. And that's what I'm afraid of, where it's not necessarily just, well, there's just a lack of talent. It's just they look really poor in playing, and they beat themselves. And that starts all of this up. So they have this turd burger once a year against a bad team at home. We can go back the last 20 years and identify one game a year. There's an, no reason they should lose to this team at home game. And they always have it. It used to be against Arizona back in the day. It used to be, you know, these teams would come in. It's like, how the hell did they lose here? And I just think it happens early this season. I think this is the one and, you know, we're Owen two. I put this as a, a loss in pencil again, you know, none of these, none of these. I, I think the Giants are a little better than they were last year. You're not going to see these getting blown out by any of these teams, but just still that losers lose hanging over their head. And again, a second week where you're really going to hear the catcalls from the media and the fans. 
So this, so this is already where we divide is at week two. Yeah. Um, week three, the Giants travel to Tampa Bay. So this will be our, what, fourth year in a row going to Tampa? Uh, I think it's three. I think it's our third out of four. I believe. I think there was a stretch we didn't. Well, one game we didn't play him. Okay. Um, four o'clock game. Late summer. This is like September or something like that. H O T. Very yeah. hot. Very humid. Hot, humid, wet, awful. Um. Nevertheless, I'm putting this one as a win in pencil. Also, um, and this is not to throw shade at our Tampa Bay friends. It's just. I think that this is the matchup that the Giants have an advantage. It's just where the, the deficiencies lie into the strengths. Um, you know, Bucks fans complained about McCoy and maybe his lack of effort, but they're not going to get much different out of Ndamukong Sue. Uh, he's <laughs> going to be somebody who's he's probably got less of a motor but more talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be in the middle with Vea. I mean, who knows where JPP is going to be at that point? I mean, I'm not really sure what the nature of his status is right now. Have you heard anything? Uh, they're not going to do surgery, but he's going to be out for an indefinite amount of time. Okay. So, I mean, that that puts a huge wrench into their defensive line plans. Sure. Um, and, and quite frankly, they have a weak secondary, a weak, inexperienced secondary that allows for a lot of opportunity downfield. For, for all manner of players. So if the Giants are able to allow Manning just enough to t- just enough time to pick apart corners, you know, because there will be significant push up the middle. Um, as long as he can pick apart the corners and rotating in a couple of screens and dump offs and handoffs to Barkley to wear down that defensive front, it's going to open up big plays downfield. Points can finally be scored in this game. So as I, I predicted for like the first two games, just offensive sloppiness and, you know, just a mess, and Barkley's not really able to contribute in the way that you want. Um, this is the game where the Giants start putting points on the board. Yeah, I think this is, you know, when you have a struggling team, sometimes the best thing that can happen is you go on the road. And, like, following along with my narrative, where I think it's going to be a rough week following a loss at home to Buffalo, I think that the cure for it is to get on the road, the team kind of rallies around each other you don't have the, the you know a, a cranky home fan you know booing and being ornery from the start of the game um the bucks can be in a very similar situation as the giants when they get to week three um this is a kind of a put up or shut up year for Jameis winston uh you know they don't have joe mccoy anymore as we said They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL for the last 10 years, over the 10-year period. I don't know. When's the last time they made the playoffs? When they played us back seven, eight years ago? Oh, it's been a long – More than seven or eight years ago. If it was when they played us under Gruden, you're talking about. Yeah. As you can hear, our Thunder and Lightning friends have now joined us on my side of the uh, show right now. Um, so, I mean – the. the this is one of those places where at Raymond James Stadium, you, you might see it 75% blue. Hmm. And those fans that are coming are not the same fans that you see at MetLife Stadium. The season ticket holder who's just sick and tired of, you know, the last few years and, you know, the beginning of a bad season. These are fans that live down there who never get to see the Giants and are just happy to be there. They're the you know the they're the more obnoxious giant fan that you see at home. So 
it's more of a forgiving crowd. So I think that will help as well. Um, I'm going to put this one as a win in pencil. I think this is where you see a, a, a turnaround in this season. Is Instead of heading down a, a 0-3 circle the drain, it's over to you're starting to see signs of progress. So as you were saying, Jameis Winston, you know, he's sort of on his last last Tampa Bay legs, I think, this year. And it won't even last the full season if he starts off badly. His ability to extend plays and still launch the ball downfield is an issue for a very young secondary that's facing Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard. But I think that a strong defensive line holds an advantage over Tampa Bay's offensive line, especially on the, on the outside, uh, which can force the stupid throw from Winston, which is really what has plagued him. It's never been really anything else the whole time he's been in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the bigger problem is going to be Peyton Barber running between the tackles. I think he really flashed some serious NFL ability last year. And if the Giants defense can't control him, they're going to have some struggles getting off the field. But I do think that their ability to rotate the front three, four, five will be enough to keep him in check and, and force Tampa Bay to start throwing downfield. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I think this is a win in pencil. That puts them, for me, at 2-1 and one at this point in the year and for you, 1-2 and two at this point in the year. Yeah, and I'd be pretty happy with that 1-2 and two also. But again, what we could also do as we're doing this is kind of like what is the trend line? Like for me, the trend line goes up after this win where mm. after the first two weeks, I have the trend line as a pretty significant down. Yeah, well, I'll say this about mine. I think that Giants fans' expectations after week one when they when they lose is unrealistically low, like in the toilet where it doesn't belong. And then after two straight wins against Buffalo and Tampa Bay, which are teams that don't even deserve the cheerleaders they have, uh, <laughs> it, the, the Giants fan expectation then goes through the roof as if this is 10, 15 years ago. Um and they're they're about to hit a screeching halt when they hit week four, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's uh, let's get back to reality. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll put this back as my next thing in pen here. I think the Giants lose against Washington at home at one o'clock, uh, and I'm putting it in pen. Yeah, uh, you know, after two straight weeks of good performance from the offensive line against not cupcake but not the league's elite. There's just too much to handle from a front uh, a front that consists of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan. And I, I think Dominique Rogers camardi starts to look really good after – did he have the whole year off last year? Did he play? I believe he did not play last year at all. Yeah, and so he's got fresh legs, great cover corner, and uh, I think that they struggle to find anything productive on offense. I think this is one of the games that – some fans are gone by halftime because there's just no movement on offense. Okay, well, I mean, where's Washington getting their offense from? Ah, you led me to my next thing. So the loss of Jamison Crowder really holds Washington back, and, and there's going to be little for Dwayne Haskins to do because he's not much of a runner. Uh, the defensive line should be able to hurt up the middle against Haskins, but... The combination of Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Samaj P. Ryan, Bryce Love, it's more than enough to slowly wear down the defense on the ground and in the short game. 
And okay. I think a stupid mistake late in the game by a very young member of the secondary, of which they are all, um, is likely to put the the game on ice. And the narrative following this game is going to be that Gettleman's a fool because he let Collins walk and he passed on Haskins and Dominic rogers Camardi is no longer here and this and that and this and that. And none of that is really warranted, I don't think, after this game, but it's it's – low-hanging fruit for the media and the dullards that represent yeah. a large portion of Giants Twitter. Again, the goal of the rebuild is not to be ready for week four. Mm-hmm. The goal is to set this franchise up, clean up the cap, build for long-term stability and long-term success. And yes, you know, I'd love to have Collins still here, I, you know, but we're not – We've we've gone over this a hundred times on this show. We're not spending that kind of money. All the all the big contracts are pretty pretty quickly being eviscerated from this roster. You don't need those big contracts when you are in the middle of a rebuild. So, um, we'll take our barbs in the media from you know low information media people and dumbasses on Twitter who want to pile on, but that's okay. Yeah, and, and here's what I think. I think Haskins has one of those things. He becomes the – his stat line ends up being a footnote in the daily news story that stresses how much Eli struggled with the pressure in his face, how much the offensive line struggled with the pressure, uh, and, and how little there was of production from wide receivers without Beckham. I think that's going to be the, the main line here, which again is all going to be part of this rebuild and you know is – I mean, Eli Manning is probably going to be replaced at some points very, very soon. The offensive line is still gelling together. And the wide receiver room we know is not complete without, you know, another talent on there. Someone on but, the outside who can spread out this, who can stretch the defense. You're right. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, what the narrative becomes is that Haskins was the, was the pick that should have been made and that Landon Collins should have been here and maybe Cromartie too. But what's going to be missing is that Collins doesn't have a great game in coverage. And Dwayne Haskins has a mediocre performance. And I think that come later on in the year, it's not going to be that black and white that the narrative paints after this loss. I think it's going to be much more, well, maybe they would have been better off with Haskins, but they've got these other issues. And maybe he's not really as great as we thought. And, you know, maybe Collins wasn't worth the money that Washington threw at him, etc. And, you know, something that maybe Haskins isn't as good as we thought to say that is just as stupid as the other narratives you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, so now we're going to judge a quarterback based on week four of his rookie year, purely based on the lens of the Giants should have had him. And if he has a bad game because mm, he's a rookie, <laughs> you know, it, it's you're going to just see a lot of nonsense and a lot of, you know, hot take extreme this week. And my advice is don't even. Don't watch ESPN2 that week. Don't look at Twitter for a couple of days. Just kind of go on vacation and, and go from there. Well, wherever you go, though, just make sure you still listen to the Just Giants podcast on you know iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Podbean, all of these, uh, because we will keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do, if you must go on Twitter – Quite frankly, there's only three Twitter accounts you should be following right now. You should be following Just Giants Pod to get the latest episodes of this show. 
you should be getting you should be following the cranky fan that's me so you can hear me agonize about my tampa bay rays get through the silly season of florida gator football and oh yes all your latest giant news and observations and football underscore grump where the maestro will tell you everything you need to know about the new york giants Wow, that that felt dirty. That was so clean and and easy and smooth. That it, you know it felt what it like is? It was cheap. You know what it is, Grump. I'm scared shitless right now that this tornado about to hit the city is going to take us to land of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you'll be fine. But you know, the giant season's <laughs> up in the air. So, um, I guess everybody else who's who's in the wind path near Hudson County right now as uh, you know my further Morris and Sussex and Warren were all fine if you're in the wood path I hope you're all safe and uh, you're listening to this Tuesday morning with all working electronics and everything yeah and if worst case scenario if uh, the storm hits this really bad Manhattan we blow away it's been a nice run mm. I've enjoyed each and every one of you who've listened Grump you've been a great cousin and a great friend no you know <laughs> and we'll see what happens from there. We'll we'll pour one out for the cranky fan. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everyone, stay safe. Go Giants. Go Giants.